0: back with the nine of wands prepare for lots more archery metaphors (laughs) last time this time and next time so the nine of wands is known hermetically as strength or great strength i think with crowley calling it strength rather than great strength was just concision
1: yeah all of his his uh they were all condensed to one word and i think maybe on the golden dawn's part Great strength, perhaps, was just to differentiate it from the Trump mm-hmm. strength.
0: Yes, yes, that's right. Because for for Crowley, it was no big deal because he called the strength card the lust card. So you could have lust and you could have strength and you, you would know the difference.
1: And to go with, you know, the archery theme, it takes a lot of strength, you know, to yes. draw back that bow.
0: Yes. I mean, it's interesting when you go from the names of these three cards, swiftness, strength, and oppression, it's sort of like, you know, the arrow, the the strength of the archer, and then the target. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. All right. So when we are talking about the Nine of Wands, we are also talking about the moon ruling the second decan of Sagittarius, Sagittarius, which is extra special for Mel.
1: Yeah, we mentioned in the last episode that these two decans of Sagittarius are important to me because my Mercury is in the first decan and my sun sign is in this decan. So I have always been partial to this card. So if you happen to be uh, listening to this, you know, in the
0: first and second weeks of December, you know, send Mel a gift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Although chances are uh, we're releasing this probably in April sometime. so Oh, well. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is particularly interesting because as we were saying with the eight of wands, we have a double planet going on here. We have the moon yeah. manifesting in two different ways as we had Mercury manifesting in two different ways in the eight. All right, so this one's Luna squared. Mm-hmm, and that is because... We have the moon ruling the second decan of Sagittarius, but also it's the nine, which means the nine is associated with the Sephira Yasod, which is associated with the moon. You know, we have the high priestess associated with the moon, and we also have the temperance card associated with Sagittarius, and temperance's path runs between the Sephiras of the sun and the moon. So, um, so there's a whole lot of moon going on.
1: What's kind of cool too, though, is even though this is lots of moon, and then there's Jupiter for Sagittarius, and then there's also the sun in a way. And that takes us into the Kabbalah, because mm-hmm. what's really cool about this card is that if you look at the two related trumps, the High Priestess and the Ardor Temperance card, both of those paths go up the middle pillar. So there one is a continuation of the other. So you have The art card's path between Esod and Tiferet, and then from Tiferet all the way up to Keter is the high priestess path. So it's like one straight shot right up to Keter. And in the very center where they connect is Tiferet the sun, which is why the sun is actually featured in these cards, even though the sun is not the ruler of the Deccan or Mm -hmm. the Sephira itself. But it's very prominent because of the two Trumps and their paths, and that's the connection between them, the link.
0: Exactly. And you'll see that when you look at um our post on this episode. You'll see the Tree of Life diagram and how the middle path or the middle pillar is traced by the Trumps associated with this card. And also, it's uh, that is why on the Thoth and Tabula Mundi cards you see such a prominent sun. In fact, if you didn't know better on the Thoth card, you'd think, Oh, is this sun in Sagittarius? You know, but it really is. It's moon in Sagittarius, but with a, a shining presence of the sun.
1: The other kind of neat thing, which makes the archery theme so common is not only is this Sagittarius or the art card, but also the priestess. And both of them are associated with archers and archery. So the priestess yes. with her Ar- Artemis qualities and the bow present in her card, as well as in the art card. So you've got double bow. Yes, they refer to each other. And the rainbow as well. So yes. yeah, you've got all sorts of bows going on in, That's in this right particular card. And if
0: you imagine, again, we go back to that post where we talked about Keshet, the bow. Um, if you imagine... The paths of the moon and judgment on the tree of life as the bow. This is the flight of the arrow up the tree. Right up the tree. Yeah. So this, these way. two
1: paths connected, you can, could consider the arrow mm-hmm. itself. Right. The other cool thing about the sun and moon symbolism, uh, besides the fact that the sun is, is that connection point between the paths of the two trumps is we talked in the, the last episode about how the dragon's tail is exalted in Sagittarius. And so what the dragon's tail is, it's the point at which the path of the sun or the apparent path of the sun crosses with the path of the moon. Oh, so there's great. another lunar solar thing going on. Yes. That's right here. It's, it's- – In Sagittarius and this being the middle decan of Sagittarius, it's like quintessential Sagittarius. Right. And with that
0: lining up of the nodes, that's also how we get eclipses when the path of the sun and and the moon. Exactly. And in my card, you do see
1: a solar eclipse, which is the conjunction of the sun and the moon. Right.
0: Right. And when you have a lunar eclipse, that's when they're on opposite points. Yes. Yeah. And then also, since we went right into the Kabbalah, um, it's interesting to think about, uh, the, the, the letter Samech, uh, for temperance, the support or prop. Um, and then the letter Gimel for the moon as the camel. Um, I'm trying to see where I can go with that.
1: <laughs> well, when I think of that middle path straight up the tree that it, with the art card being the, the base of that from the foundation and then. Mm-hmm. Continued upward, it kind of is like a prop. It's like the, yeah. the, uh, the feathers of the arrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you think about, you know, what those letters meant in, in that culture at one time, you know, you have a tent peg and you have a camel. And between the two of those, you can make a journey, right? That's how you cross the desert. That's how you cross the abyss.
1: And about the letter summak. I've heard that there's a reference to quivering. And when you think of quiver, you think of a quiver of arrows, but also it's that tension when you draw back a bow, the strings are quivering and your arms are probably quivering as well. Mm -hmm. And it's also associated with anger. And when you think of the state of anger, there's a quivering and a tension there as well.
0: Yes, yes. So there's the strength of the bowstring, the strength it takes to pull the bowstring and the
1: strength of your feelings as well. Right. Yeah. The strength to keep still so that the arrow will meet the target. You not only have to be strong enough to pull it back, but you have to stay still at the moment of release. Right. So there's the, the, you know, the shaking and then the stillness. Mm -hmm. We can talk a little bit about nine itself, you know, if we're going to go into the Kabbalah, which So nines in general are the kind of they're the penultimate expression of the suit, and in a way they're the the fullest expression because by the time you get to ten, the energy is um, a little bit too well done, and it's about to pass away into the next yeah into the next thing. So here it's almost like the strongest expression of wands. That you're going to get.
0: Yeah. Crowley calls it the fullest development of the force.
1: Yes. Right. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this idea that, you know, the nines in general are magical numbers. This is where the, the, the full potential of the, um, suit is capable of exerting itself. So it's interesting. Let's think for a second. What are the, so we have the nines. Uh nine of wands we have strength then we have nine of cups happiness Then we have nine of swords cruelty and then we have nine of discs gain so there is they're all very strong yeah cards. definitely feelings are running high in all of them
1: and even though nines you think of them as being <clears throat> low down on the tree of life yet they're still balanced and in the middle And the other thing that makes them so strong is their direct connection to Tiferet and thus to Keter. They're, they're, they're tuned in. And also, you know,
0: when we think about the realm of the moon, you know, we kind of connect the astral plane with the realm of the moon. So this is, if we're in 10, if we're in Malkut, the nine is where we step behind the curtain. This is our doorway to everything beyond. Yeah.
1: And it's said that in order to, really fully interpret the nines you should always look at the psychological underpinnings of the situation because the nine you sowed is associated with the astral and the subconscious and Mm -hmm. the psychological
0: yeah yeah so if you're doing any magical work at all, you're basically stepping into this Sephira. You're stepping into Nine, you're stepping into Yisod to the lunar realm, and then you're connecting to the priestess. So, you know, just from a sort of a shallow interpretational point of view, if you consider the
1: priestess your intuition, that's sort of, this is the path that you're taking to get there. I love what uh Crowley says about this card. He says, Here the moon, the weakest planet, with Sagittarius, the most elusive of signs, yet it dares to call itself strength.
0: Yes, I wrote that one down too. I love that. And I think here, here is something that we should be talking about with this card generally. What kind of strength is it? It is the strength of the quivering, so it's a strength that has motion in it.
1: And to me, that's very lunar, right? Because the moon waxes and wanes. Right. Another thing Crowley says... Stability through change. And it's because the moon's strength is its force of change as it passes through all its phases mm-hmm. so rapidly. Flux and reflux. Flux you know, and, the, yes. That's the moon card rather than um, the priestess. But when you think of lunar themes, you think of that change expressed through the constant cycling of phases. And yes. if you think of the strength of this card, when I think of the strength of this card, I think of it as strength through flexibility. So there's mm-hmm. the flexibility of the bowstring and there's the, the flexibility, you know, of the, the yoga master. It's not rigid. It's, it's yielding in order not to break and mm-hmm. knowing when to move and how to use motion.
0: Mm-hmm. Know when to hold them, know yeah. when
1: to fold them, know when to walk away. I and- think another thing Crowley said is that defense, in order to be effective, must be mobile. And yes. that speaks a lot to that flexibility and that motion and that stability through change. Now, what Waite says about the Nine,
0: uh, the figure leans upon his staff and has an expectant look as if awaiting an enemy the card signifies strength in opposition. If attacked, the person will meet an onslaught boldly, and his build shows that he may prove a formidable antagonist. So it's interesting that you see in the weight card, this guy who has clearly been through a number of battles, he's bandaged up a bit. And to me, that experience of adversity is what gives him his resilience and his strength. So I have met all kinds of different conditions. I have, you know, been in easy conditions and hard conditions, and I'm ready for anything. Yeah, there's something
1: unswervable about it.
0: Yeah, it's that alertness. And it's, you know, and we
1: sometimes see this as being a very defensive card. It's because I'm ready for anything. I think it's it's the defensiveness comes because it's a nine and it's passed through all these these stages of creation of wands. And here it is in its fullest expression. It's gone through all that. And now it's defending what's been established. Right. All these creative phases and things.
0: Yes. Now yes. it
1: has something to defend.
0: Yeah. Let's think about that for a second. Like, you know, the run up to, to strength. We've had dominion, virtue, completion, strife, victory, victory valor. valor. That's right. And And swiftness. So all of these things have contributed to this moment. All of what you've gained through that, you must defend. And uh, and Crowley also says that the sun is the driving force behind this. So much as we can see the moon because it reflects the light of the sun, you know,
1: the sun is what powers. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, why this card also, for me, has an association with health. Mm -hmm. Because of that association with the sun and the solar force, the life force the green fuse yes
0: yes the force that through the the green green fuse drives drives the flower flower
1: (laughs) drives my red blood dylan thomas it always comes to mind when i see this card right it's that unswervable unshakable force body and spirit kind of thing going on the wands of fire you know the force of will
0: yeah and it's it's as we were saying before, you know, with the swiftness, swiftness, strength, and opposition, we have the speed of the arrow, the strength of the archer, and the solidness of the target, all kind of metaphorically referenced in those three cards. This theme of adversity shows up a lot in the Deccan imagery. So in the Picatrix, well, it's funny, we have a man leading cows and in front of him he has an ape and a Bear, <laughs> the cow is pretty lunar, right yeah, there. Right, um,
1: right. Well, so is the ape. Well, it's mercurial. It's mercurial. Kind of. yeah. yeah, but, but you know, we went from well. mercury
0: to moon, right? right? You know, right? Yeah, yeah. And the signification is fear, lamentations, grief, sadness, misery, and troubles. <laughs> Natal i don't man, not like that
1: <laughs> i disagree
0: yeah and then with the for agrippa we have a woman weeping and covered with clothes sadness and fear of one's own body so this
1: is really picking up on the darker side <laughs> i've noticed a lot of those picatrix things are
0: they're very dark very dark yeah well they're weird and just dis- and, and disturbing and grotesque <laughs> and interesting but right. i think it's kind of like um Pat Valenza's Deviant Moon deck, which some people see as very grotesque and horrible and scary, which I just see, I see it as whimsical. As whimsical yeah. and also as um allegory, you know. The sometimes with these images, what you're dealing with is an exaggeration to better convey the symbolism, you know, to better convey the message, um, without necessarily inviting that exact literal figurative energy uh into your life. <laughs> you know, the strength comes from having either in this life or a previous one seen a lot and, you know, right. having experienced a lot and having had to come to terms with it. There's something about the messenger qualities in this one as opposed to the eight of wands where, you know, we no longer have mercury with us. We have um iris, though. We still have iris messenger through... Sagittarius, the rainbow temperance. And in this case, I feel as though, especially with the high priestess cards, we have someone who specifically can travel between the realms. So not talking about horizontal travel across the surface of the earth, which is, um, which is something that we expect to see with Sagittarius generally. Um, but, but something about going deep. And going to, you know, commune with the dead and with the divine. Uh more vertical travel. More vertical travel up and down the path, right? Of the middle path of the tree of life. And in fact, um Austin Kopic says something about this Deccan having to do with Persephone Praxidike. So that's the Persephone figure. Persephone, of course, being the mistress of the underworld, the Persephone figure, who is the mistress of the Furies, the Arrhenius. So there is a attempt to write the balance between the worlds, you know, between the living and the dead. So the Furies, of course, were those mythological figures who pursue those who murder their parents, for example, or, you know, or who have that kind of troubled relationship with uh, the spirits. And so this is an effort in this card to write
1: that. And going back to the theme of adversity, I've seen it as this card described as victory after fear. Oh, I like that. So it kind of, when I think of the eclipse theme too, that's kind of associated with this card a bit, eclipses generally caught caused a lot of fear in the ancient world. Oh, yeah. They were considered purely malefic, which may be,
0: you know, again, why we're seeing this kind of Deccan badness, (laughs) you know,
1: coming to us down through history. And yet after, you know, they always – the sun comes out again. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. And it's kind of interesting, too, The. The theme of strength through flexibility and how you know the lunar forces the strength in the in the ability of the moon to change it show the the moment of solar eclipse shows how that for that moment the moon is even stronger than the sun, the moon can overcome the sun momentarily, yeah. yeah, and then it moves on,
0: yes, yeah, and I think you know it's interesting to just reflect on the nature of you know, we talked a little bit about the astral realm and a little bit about magic and a little bit about the moon's relationship to magic. I think there's a really profound metaphor in this card in the moon's reflection of the sun. Because, I mean, in magic and in divination, we say it works because as above, so below, as within, so without. So, what the moon's power appears to come from reflecting the sun, but that we are all reflecting each other at every moment. And that's where the magic, the connection comes from. Like a mirror, a magic mirror. Yeah, Yeah, because everything co-arises in the same moment. It's not causal necessarily, right? The sun is not causing, you know, the moon to... Do what it's doing. It's not causing the moon to change the tides. It's not the constellations, you know, our zodiacal signs are not causing us to act the way we are. We are a reflection of them. They are a reflection of us. Everything's happening at the
1: same time and co-arising. It reminds me of that saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. That, that idea of reflecting and, and each other, and what we're ready for. At one time, you hear that and you would think, oh, well, when is my great guru going to appear? But if you're ready, if the student is ready, everything that you encounter is a teaching of sort. The teacher will appear when you're ready. It might not be in the form that you expect mm-hmm. it to. And it's, it's kind of cool in that teaching itself is a Sagittarian
0: yes. theme. Yes, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And that makes... A lot of sense with this card. Um, You know, you can only be taught from someone who has lived through the entire sequence, ace to nine, you know, who has something to share and an experience to derive knowledge and benefit from.
1: And Sagittarius is the ninth sign. So that's oh, yes, another that's little true. synchronicity with this card in Sagittarius. Yeah, it rhymes all over with this card. When you talk about, you know, strength through flexibility, I like what Crowley said about the card. He gives the example of learning to ride a bicycle and uh, through motion and flexibility. So yes, if you if you ride the bike too slow, you can't catch your balance. It's through the right appropriate speed and motion moving forward that you can not be wobbly. And he gives the other example of drawing us trying to draw a straight line. Mm-hmm. If you want a nice straight line free-handed, you have to move quickly mm-hmm. and unhesitatingly. And I learned that myself drawing the wands (laughs) cards because it was drawing a lot of straight lines. Were you doing that freehand? With a permanent magic marker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't stop. No, you can't stop and you can't make a mistake. And it was even hard to use rulers because they tend to bleed under the ruler and leave a a smudge. So I would try to do them freehand whenever possible. That's right. So I'd take a big deep breath. Hold my breath and go. Exactly. Don't exactly. hesitate. Right.
0: I uh when I was working for my dad in graphic design as a young kid, we had we did mock up cuz there was no digital anything, no camera anything. So and I would have to cut straight lines through through text and images and stuff with a razor blade and you know what you want to do is do it once. <laughs> straight once and if you make a mistake and you accidentally one shot. Yeah, and also, you know, that same the th- the same thing of motion of force you know if you're spinning a top it only it only spins
1: it only balances as long as it's in motion same idea it's it's funny because you you don't really want your hand to shake when you're drawing an arrow or drawing literally with yeah. a pencil an arrow <laughs> right or drawing the bow but yet the shaking is almost inevitable and it's learning how to channel it appropriately, Con- yes. control it and your arm might quiver but you you have to deal with that right and i think that and work the, with it
0: the solution for that is to you know to be constantly it's something you take from the eight of wands is the direction to be constantly looking towards the destination rather than at the thing that you're doing so yeah you know, yeah
1: focus on the target yes
0: yes yes, yes. i think yep. that's
1: definitely one of the lessons of these three cards it's also kind of cool that Artemis, her name comes from a word that means to shake. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: That's great. So that's kind of ties
1: it all in. Yeah,
0: that's neat.
1: She also had other names that were given to her in praise. Uh, One of them is Chrysalakatos, which means of the golden shaft. And then there's another one. I don't know if I'll pronounce it right, but maybe you will. Uh, Eokira. Showered by arrows. Can I see how that's, uh, spelled?
0: Yuchera. Yeah. 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 Showered
1: by arrows. She's I just, also, I like that. It sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat.
0: Yeah. And the moon is also described in the Orphic hymns as, um, which means growing and diminishing female and male. So again, there's that. Unification of opposites and this sort of being able to travel between the two. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and speaking also to that, you know, this theme of motion uh in the papist dialectic, which we don't always talk about. It's just kind of interesting because it's, you know, in his concept of nine, it's the equilibrium of equilibrium. So
1: Oh, that makes sense for the yeah. the drawing of a bow and and the keeping still at the moment of release. Right.
0: So in general his sequence goes commencement opposition equilibrium and then by the time you get to number 9 you're at the equilibrium the I mean like, well like the three, the, times final, three the resolution nine. of the yeah. resolution equilibrium of equilibrium right exactly 3 times 3 and then, you know, then you have also Gurdjieff's, uh, idea of the Enneagram. Just another way of saying, is I've, I really love the fact that every time we go through numbers, it's sort of like, well, some people say, you know, it's an eightfold model of the universe. Some people say it's a ninefold model of the universe. You know, there's, for every number, there's some way that you can divide the world up into that right. number and it's
1: complete, <laughs> right? So, um, uh, so colors. Colors. So the, um, Main color of the card is indigo. Love that. Yeah, it's a beautiful, one of my favorite colors actually is indigo. And then we have, of course, all the colors of Sagittarius, the art card, uh, blue, yellow, green, and vivid dark blue. And mm-hmm. then the car- colors, the beautiful blues of the priestess card, blues and silvers, blue, silver, cold pale blue, and silver rayed sky blue. Mm, it's really a gorgeous, gorgeous card. Great colors. Yeah.
0: Now, when we say indigo, um, you know, there are those who conceive as indigo as blue-black and those who conceive of indigo as blue-purple.
1: I personally go with it as blue-black rather than blue-purple. When I think of indigo, I think of blue. It's almost... It almost is a tiny bit of a green blue, but m- definitely a solid blue with a lot of black in it.
0: Yeah. If when you, I'm
1: mixing paints.
0: If you think of like indigo as it comes from its natural origin, it's definitely more blackish blue than purpley blue. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When I yeah. think
1: of a purpley blue, I think of more of an ultramarine than an indigo.
0: And the thing is that I think what happened is that, you know, when we, had the naming of the colors in the rainbow, we had the Roy G. Biv thing happen. So people think you know, indigo is between blue and violet, but I think it was just a naming convention rather than, you know, yeah. really being true to where indigo comes from. You know, we should look directly at the cards because there's a lot of imagery. We talked already about Waite, weight, uh, Waite's guy with the bandage, um, and, you know, how he's kind of been through a lot. You know, it's another stage card. You know, I, I actually really like the metaphor of, going in the front of the stage and the back of the stage in dealing with matters of divination and magic. So to me, it's like when I see a stage card, you know, there's always a little bit of the role that you are playing to create an effect. And I kind of feel like that's going on with this particular nine card is sort of like, well, what
1: role I will step into depends on what
0: happens next.
1: The other thing about the weight card that I've noticed is the position of the wands are all straight up and down vertical, just like the path of the two trumps are both straight up and down vertical, this one continuation. So just like in yeah. the eight, we had that diagonal path that seemed to be really saying, Hey, Mercury, Mercury's path here. This is, <laughs> this is seems to be saying straight up the middle pillar. All the wands are straight up and down.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's interesting, I hadn't thought about it that way, yeah, well, uh wait does say that they're you know they should be erect like a palisade, uh, actually, we see that in a number of uh in the two, the three, the four, and the six as well, so uh it's not it's not such a strange thing to see in in weight wands but
1: but yeah, definitely it's almost like yeah. he tries to send a little message with the position of the wands in the same way that Crowley tries to send a little message with yeah. the, the- the position of the flames.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about the flames in the, in the, um, Crowley card for a second. There are 10 Looks of like them. There's
1: 10 of them. So is that a reference to the only other Sephira on the middle pillar <laughs> not referenced in this card? Mal-Kut? Yes. I
0: think so. Because, um, what, what Crowley said about it was that the 10 flames indicate the energy is directed downward. Now that only makes sense from a tree of life perspective, right? right because right. down is towards Malkut, right.
1: towards the
0: final Sephira.
1: Yep. The other interesting thing about, uh, his card is if you look at the, the little moons mm-hmm. that are both on the heads and the shafts of the arrow. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just playing around counting them. And Me too. <laughs> <and, laughs> yeah. You know, we do. <laughs> so every arrow ha- has nine. Yeah. But eight of them are on the shaft and, and it's only on the, the eight arrows on the side, not the central ninth one. So, you know, eight. Times 8, you have 64, the number of hexagrams of the I Ching. Oh, nice. But then if you add the uh, the 9 for lunar on those 8 arrows, it's 72. And then that's the number of the letters of the names of God. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. I don't know. And Neat. then, you know, technically, though, all in all. Which reduces to 9. Cent- which reduces to 9. Yeah. But if you count all of them including the one moon on the uh arrowhead of the central one it's uh 73 which reduces to 10 which is the jupiter card <laughs> so for sagittarius so they oh, all yes. kind of, all the all the numbers of the the little lunar uh Symbols there kind of tie into something that they makes do. sense.
0: They do. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then you've
1: got the rays of the sun. There's 18 of them, ah. um, which is another lunar reference. Yes, it is 18. the number of the moon. I didn't think to count those. And so. then half cool. of them are straight and half of them are wavy. And when you see straight and wavy in flames, it's always a male-female kind of thing going on so again solar lunar in a little symbolism there very
0: nice yeah so then you have nine male nine female yeah yeah
1: lovely so another another thing that suggests balance
0: so much more going on this in this card than you might guess at you know at first glance right cool and your card yeah and then in, in my
1: card you've got so if you look at the bow that's uh it's it's the bow from the priestess card, which is combined with the bow from the art card. So you see that kind of lunar crescent motif of oh, the bow? That's great. That's the bow from the art card. Yes. And then you see the bow, which is in front of the priestess as a, a Lyra or uh-huh. um, instrument in front of her, also a bow. So they combined into one bow here. And it's shooting these nine arrows straight up towards the sun. Mm -hmm. And the sixth one is Uh. on fire. So that's another (laughs) solar reference um to Tiferet there it sure is I never noticed it was the sixth one yeah that makes perfect sense so the moon and sun conjunction theme and eclipse uh well it's the moon and sun conjunction theme from the art card yet it's in the phase of eclipse which is why the the sun is darkened there it's the uh the that moment of lunar eclipse um and then you've got rays of the sun yeah, you've got rays of the sun, um, both straight and curved again. Yep. Yep. And there's also the scroll from the priestess card. Yeah. So to me, that brings in the wisdom that's necessary to focus this channeled creative act.
0: Mm-hmm. And can you say something about, you know,
1: the fire, uh, the, the, the blazing of the scroll? Well, it's... Illumination, in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, there's a lot of luminosity in this card with the, both the lunar and the solar theme, and the, you notice that the fire, both of the bow and of the scroll, is in a, a more lunar color. It's not yes. a, an orange, yellowy flame. It's that you know, from the priestess card, these these blue, silver kind of colors that kind of speak to mm-hmm. the reflected light rather than the solar light. I like that. So when I see this card, maybe we can mm-hmm. segue into mm-hmm. how we use them. I'm always happy to see this card just because I think of it as mine. <laughs> but also because when I see it, it always makes me feel like there's health. Like I th- I see health when I see this card. I see vitality and health uh, and creativity through change, balance, um... And there's that perfect conjunction of conscious forces and subconscious forces that you can channel to create something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah no that's that's great you know it's funny i um was working with your deck the other day in the shop and um one of my clients got the nine of wands and they went straight at that scroll they looked at that scroll and they were like i just graduated or you know it was like something like that (laughs) you know and that happens all teaching and wisdom Sagittarian
1: (laughs) sagittarian themes yeah yeah yeah, higher education. You know,
0: because I come from more of a writer weight background originally, I'm I, I can't say that I had the most positive view of this card. I didn't mind it, but I was always picked up more on the defensiveness and alertness of the um, writer weight Smith figure in there. But what's funny is that as I've been going through my journal, and I I tend on days that I draw this card to be really drawn to thinking about. The nature of reality, you know, and to having like philosophical and metaphysical discussions with people about the way shit works, you know, and that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't realize that about myself. And the other thing that seems to come up all the time, and I have no idea why, is that I do a lot of weeding and gardening when I get this card. I don't know why. The force that through the (laughs) green
1: fuse drives the flower and the weed. And the weed. I guess that's what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is what has been so great for me about doing these minor arcana and just looking up what happens when you get the card. Because, you know, I don't even know sometimes what the cards are trying to tell me, but You know, if you look back and sort of figure it out, there's always some kind of message that it's like a puzzle that you can work out over time. Hindsight. So, you know, and that I think in tarot, as you strengthen your personal language of the card... Then it starts talking back to you more and more over time. So when you get this card, you know, you will, you experience that, that flexibility and that resilience and that strength, that strength. Um, and the only other thing is that like when I get this card, sometimes in terms of using it, not in terms of what it predicts, I often think, you know, when I'm having a difficult time just with life or with my kids or whatever it is, I think about the ability to change myself and to change them by changing myself, right? Because my strength is in my own flexibility, being able to change the persona that I present to create the effects that I would like to see. Okay. So, uh, so we talked about a lot of things with this card. Um, we talked about uh, stability through change. We talked about the great middle path that is traced by the two majors, um, the High Priestess or Priestess, and the Art or Temperance cards that are associated with this minor. We talked a lot about the Sun and the Moon and their relationship.
1: Uh, we talked about magic and mystery, uh, traveling between realms, the tension and the balance, vibration and quivering, and harmony and health. So, Luna squared and Luna squared. <laughs> and Luna squared. Yes, the power
0: of the moon made manifest and made uh, made evident graphically throughout this card.
1: I mean, how can you really go wrong when you have double moon and sun <laughs> and Jupiter all kind of hanging yeah, out? Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so that's been the Nine of Wands, and we hope you will um, join us and help us get through the oppression of the ten. <laughs>